This is the Youth Worker Collective podcast from Young People's Ministries. You don't have to be in ministry alone with resources, coaching, games, and more at umcyoungpeople.com. Welcome, everybody. My name is Chris, and I am the director of Young People's Ministries for Discipleship Ministries of the United Methodist Church, uh, co-hosting with Jeremy Steele this morning, who's on staff at Los Altos United Methodist Church in California. And our special guest today is Kurt Franklin from the Illinois Great Rivers Conference. So, Kurt, welcome. Thanks. Glad to be here. Kurt, we are... um we're so thankful that you're here with us today and you know being involved at sort of the conference level um you've got a lot of churches that are sort of under you in a lot of different levels right a lot of different uh cultures a lot of different contexts um and at the same time you in one one part of your job is to get them connecting right? Collaborating, working together. So I, I guess that's really my first question for you is um, assuming that you're not the conference staff person listening to this, um, you know, if, if you're a youth worker and, and you want to sort of encourage that collaboration with other youth workers around you, where, where do you start with that? How do you break the ice and get that going? Yeah, so um, so many of our churches are rural. Uh, right. If you're yeah. in a city, it's pretty easy to find some sort of like ministry alliance or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. If you want, if you're a, um, a female in youth ministry, it sometimes is slightly more difficult um, to mm-hmm. find um, groups that aren't filled with uh, some Baptist churches. Things that um, can make it slightly more difficult, but. Um, but there are definitely places that you can find people to connect with. Our rural churches, though, that's that's a whole other challenge. Um, and I think uh, prior to uh, the pandemic and this push to do so much virtually, um, there was there was just little way for them to even acknowledge ways to connect. Uh, so, uh, so in some ways, um, that's been helpful, um, at least for our, our conference. Right, we have eight hundred ish churches and the best thing that they can do is like contact the conference office youth person so if they have right. one we can connect them with other people because we we try to keep a list but um turnover is so often right oh uh, yeah and i can't make I right, like, calls a year <laughs> to check who yeah there for sure and that's the thing like i think you're right i think step one is that you know Calling somebody who knows. Yeah. <laughs> it might be the conference office, or you might actually remember, you know, there might be some, you know, well-known in the area youth worker, I think is another way to, to do it. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. John Smith has been at that church for the last 30 years, you know, and uh, th- that that's an important piece. You know, how do you talk about the sort of city and rural dynamic, right? Um, my experience is <clears throat> I've spent most of my time working in cities. So just to be <laughs> clear, um, but I, I know that when we've partnered together with churches from lots of different contexts, my kids have had a much better experience, yeah. like d- the diversity of perspectives in a small group, you know, at a summer camp or whatever, 
um, it, when so if, if you are either a rural church or a city church that's trying to do that kind of work, bridge that gap. Um, what are some things that you've seen um, kind of blow that up? Right? What are the what are the what are the things that either a city church or a rural church might end up doing in a relationship, especially early on, if you're trying to come together to do a summer camp or whatever, um, that ends up torpedoing that uh, before it, it gets off the ground? Yeah. And I'm not sure that the, uh, I mean, so many of our rural churches think that because they're not doing the exact same thing that the larger church is doing, that it's not real youth ministry. Right. Right. And that's just not true. So then they, they like, try to dabble in things or something and then just stop. Um, mm-hmm. But um, what they have is sometimes so much what the larger churches are striving for. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Um, uh, and um, I think like, especially when those churches work together, like just sharing volunteers, uh, being able to, to launch those things off, um, and sometimes that just those competition type things derail all of that. And, um, yeah. but yeah, uh, it, there are lots of opportunities to partner with our, our neighbors down the road and the churches that do it really well. Um, it's, it's really neat to see how they do ministry um, and all kinds of things. PBS, um, summer camp, uh, mission trips, things like that. Uh, more, local mission opportunities in their communities. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I would, I would encourage that type of stuff for sure. Kurt, I'm, I'm really glad that you um, mentioned those sort of multiple ways that youth ministry can look no matter what setting you're in. You know, sometimes for, for folks that don't know, you know, when you say Illinois Great River Conference, people often associate like Chicago with mm-hmm. Illinois, right? Um, but really, you know, your geographical area is basically like the southern two thirds of the yep. state of Illinois. And so, you know, there are some like larger regional sort of cities, but um, tremendous amount of agriculture, tremendous amount of rural settings. Mm-hmm. Um, I also happen to know, um, because we, we've been around long enough that you uh, not only do youth ministry, but you also do campus, or I'm sorry, camping ministry yeah. um, and are just now starting to step into mission and outreach ministry as well on behalf of the conference. Yep. Um, and so uh, my question, I think, has to do with, you know, how do the local churches understand uh, who you are <laughs> <laughs> um, in, in all these different hats that you wear? And then personally, from from kind of my own side, uh, how do you see each of those roles kind of impacting the the youth ministry and the discipleship that local churches are able to offer? Because, you know, this wide variety of buckets and places that people can plug into. Yeah. So uh, I don't think people realize it. Sometimes they think of our annual conference, or our general church as being this incredibly bloated thing. We've run this organization on really few staff. Um, uh, you understand that, uh, especially more so now as we've found ways to trim uh, things. But um, like, especially like in our mission stuff, we do all of that stuff with just like two or three staff for like UMCOR, all of that, right? It's it's not like 
we have hundreds of staff people out there making sure that all this happens. So we, you know, as conference people, don't really have time to uh, connect with everyone the way we'd love to. Uh, so we really, we rely on, on churches uh, connecting with us. And, and how do we resource them to do some incredible ministry? Uh, I think that's probably our, our biggest challenge um, uh, as, we, as we do uh, ministry from, from the conference office is that how do we actually connect with all of these churches? Uh, we have so many that uh, we just don't have relationships with because uh, we don't have time to, to intentionally get out there and connect with them. Yeah, so. I, I'm glad to hear you give voice to that challenge because that relationship building really is, you know, a two-way street, right? Where yep. there's a certain amount of time that if you're in a connectional role, you know, you can spend, um, you know, putting together the conference newsletter, sending the emails, um, organizing retreats and camps and those kinds of things. Um, and if you send all that information out, but then you never hear back from someone, um, that just stops it all before it gets started. You know what yeah. I mean? And we have resources and grants and uh, we can connect them with mentors. We have all kinds of ways that we can really just like fill them and pour into them. Um, but we don't know who they are or their needs. Uh, so that's, that's probably one of our big challenges. How do we, how do we actually fill, fill them um, or resource them? So, so for those churches that are doing, are in this hybrid phase, Right, where there's some online, some in person. Um, what have you seen, heard from those churches that is uh, is something that has made that hybrid work? Right. What what are what are what's a key one or two things that, that can help churches that are in that spot? Yeah. So so many churches were doing nothing online, um, and like for the first time ever. Uh, they're like reaching people who like uh, who who have the ability to do this, right? Some of our shut-ins don't have the ability to do this, um, but but some of them are able. Some some older uh, individuals, um, we're, we weren't really doing ministry with them, and, and now we can connect with them. Same thing for for our youth ministries. Um, we can connect with our youth, uh, you know at weird random hours that are very convenient uh do a quick small group um and uh but but the uh the idea of putting youth group online uh was a bad idea <laughs> it was i don't i haven't heard anybody say that that was a, a success that seemed to be a, just a pretty big flop across the board uh, don't try to do something that you normally do in person just replicate it online <laughs> Cool. Uh, well, Kurt, thank you. Uh, I think we are going to shift into the time for devotion that you've got ready for us today. All right. Well, I wanted to share with you guys today a little bit about my journey as I explored the Sabbath um, this past uh, year, 2020, and kind of coming into this year. So I'll give you a little background of like what got me to this point. I, I uh, as uh, mentioned uh, I worked at a, a summer camp um, did a lot of stuff out there and if you're familiar with with camp there's always something to do right we have a list of deferred maintenance we have guests throughout the week and then on the weekends 
like there's always something to do. So it was, um, I was kind of in this mindset of work when there's work and rest when there's rest. Um, and that, that was something that I had once heard like a farmer talk about, like you just work really hard and then you rest when you, you have rest. And that kind of makes sense for farmers because they, they have like four or five weeks of really craziness. And then the rest of the years is, is spent like sharpening tools, those type of things, doing repairs, things like that, where they can work during the day and uh, still have their evenings off. Um, camping wasn't that way though. It was 11 months of crazy work and then Advent season where the churches are crazy and uh, you, you have like December off. <laughs> so there was times when I would, you know, I'd work eight, 10 weeks and maybe get a day off, but it wasn't really a day off because it was mostly um, just thinking about work, uh, right? Rest rarely came uh, and I was pretty exhausted. Um, and that was my choice. Like that wasn't the expectations of work, the workplace. Um, I just, I found time, uh, found things to do. So then, so then uh, 2020 came, it seemed like a normal year-ish early on, right? Uh, we kind of heard about this thing going on overseas and then it hit here in the States and March came and it just came to a sudden stop, except, right, we decided that we were going to put everything we were doing online, everything. And I was exhausted, right? I don't know if you remember that month of March. Um, maybe for you, it was uh, a moment of rest, but probably not. It was just like this crazy, let's do 15 hours of Zoom calls and then uh, do a bunch of other work um, in between. So that that just absolutely exhausted me. And then I would say by the time June got here, for me, sometime, you know, a couple months later, um, we realized that we had done some things and things kind of began uh, to slow down and stop. And we began to establish some routines. They weren't necessarily good or bad. We were still figuring things out, but uh, the routine was different. And I, I for the first time in my, uh, a long time, I had regular days off. I remember thinking like, it's Saturday. I don't have anything scheduled for this Saturday or next Saturday, or the following Saturday. We're not worshiping in person. So we have Sunday off as well. What am I going to do? <laughs> it was like so confusing. So I begin reading uh, a little bit about Sabbath, and I'll read you a couple of scriptures. Um, this is uh, Matthew 11, verse 28. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Uh, another one from Psalm 62. Truly, my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from him. Uh, Jeremiah 31, 25. I will refresh uh, the weary and satisfy the faint. As you, as you begin to do searches for uh, scripture about rest, and those are just a, a few that I pulled up, um, there are lots and lots of scripture about rest, I think maybe God is trying to tell us something. And I, I read that and I preach that and I, you know, I tell kids that we need to do that, but I hadn't ever really practiced it well. And I'm not sure I still practice it well. It's just, uh, it's something I think about and try to, to, to plan in. So 
So what Sabbath has been for me, probably before pandemic, Sabbath was um, something I, I tried to do. Sometimes I would sit down and actually rest or like watch a, a movie or something like that, maybe read my Bible or something like that. And I, I kind of had this thought of like the old Jewish idea of uh, tradition of Sabbath was like to do no work, right? So um, that meant no preparing meals and all that. And some of that seemed a little bit absurd. Uh, Jesus even did a little bit of work on Sabbath, but uh, I found myself like incredibly bored on Sabbath. Like that's not really what I wanted to do. I just, it wasn't really all that restful. It wasn't really life-giving. It was just a time where I, uh, so I didn't do it well. And then I kind of just stopped doing it. Uh, So for me, it ended up being things like I just got caught up on housework, right? And I called that Sabbath. (laughs) which sometimes that needs to be done, but uh, it's not really Sabbath when I do that. So I began to try to better define what Sabbath was. So Sabbath, uh, I feel, is more of a day of feasting and a day away from work. Uh, so talk uh, just a little bit about the difference between fasting and feasting. Uh, we live in a culture that feasts seven days a week, right? We have so much stuff that we do and we shove our schedule so full of things and we treat ourselves all the time. Um, You know, like we pretend like we can't survive the day if we don't swing to Starbucks in the morning and maybe in the afternoon and grab a cake pop uh, or something like that. Uh, And all those things are great, but um, I find if we save ourselves for the feast, uh, it is so much better, right? It's hard to understand what the feast is if we don't fast for the week. And I don't necessarily mean fasting entirely from everything, but um, to enjoy the feast, uh, you, sh- you need to go on an empty stomach, right? <laughs> so, uh, so I started to think about how do I, how do I just um, begin to uh, fast a little bit in my life from um, overindulging in everything uh, throughout the week so that I can really, really enjoy and, and be, uh, and rest in God's presence on my Sabbath. Uh, and then the other thing was to redefine, uh, uh, like re-understanding what work is, right? Work, sometimes I felt like if I didn't get this thing done, it's uh, like God's plan wouldn't get complete or something. I don't know. Like, I, I felt like so, like the, there was expectations from God, I guess, that I, I do all of this work and complete the task before the day's out. Uh, so I would work t- way too many hours. Um, so it's uh, trying, for me, it was trying to, to, to change and, and understand that God has a plan. And it's much, much bigger than today. It's much bigger than just me. And unless God is speaking to me and saying, please stay and finish this work today, it will be there in the morning and it won't disrupt God's plan. So it's just trusting that God is in control, trusting that God's plan is God's and, uh, and the work can wait uh, so I can put it down. And that's been really hard from time to time, depending upon what project it is. Sometimes 
you know, I'll, I'll pick something up and I'll be working way, way too late, 10, 11, 12 o'clock at night trying to get this project done. And it's like, if I do this tomorrow versus today, uh, the world won't be affected. Uh, so those two things was like uh, fasting, feasting, and um, redefining work. So, so how did I move forward? I, I don't believe uh, God really desires our lives to be stressed out and exhausted. So I, I looked up a few scriptures to, uh, to maybe support this idea. But again, there's a whole bunch out there. Uh, this one is... Matthew 6, 34, therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself, um, sufficient for the day of its own trouble. John 10, 10, uh, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. That's one of my favorites, just that idea of having life abundantly. Um, and I, I think I'd love to do more study on that and try to understand what it is to have an abundant life. Uh, another one was, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Uh, Matthew eleven twenty eight. So I'm working on trusting God, uh, that things will happen in God's timing uh, and the way that God has planned and to do more work uh, and to do more work than the Holy Spirit is leading me to do is to put more trust in my plan, um, whatever that is, uh, than it is to, to really rely on, on God uh, and, and God's plan. So, so I thought I'd give you some, some of the practical steps that I took as I was uh, going through this, uh, this study on Sabbath for myself. One was recognizing that I need rest. Uh, I don't know how I did it sometimes. I know that there's been, I have literally passed out from exhaustion before and thought, well, I'll just go home, sleep for a day and then get right back to it. And I don't understand how my body did it, but I feel like we need, our bodies are incredible things, but we need to recognize that we need rest. Uh, the second thing was to, begin refusing to feast every day so that I could really enjoy the feast when it came and rest and play and do life giving things on the Sabbath. So I, f I fill my Sabbath with actual rest, actual play and actual things that I find really life giving uh, and not just sitting on the couch reading the Bible that is very life-giving, right? But I can experience God through creation, through relationships. I can experience God and, and experience Sabbath in, in many different ways. Uh, and the other thing is to schedule in a time of week Sabbath, uh, you know, weekly, something that I look forward to so I don't fill my day with chores and uh, work. And that's tough because oftentimes I... I, uh, I fill my week with stuff and then see if Sabbath can fit rather than check my week, actually schedule Sabbath on my calendar. So, um, so I thought I'd leave you with this. This is one scripture that I absolutely love. And it's, uh, it's something that helps me when I am stressed out, when I am uh, wanting to take Sabbath. Uh, it's, it helps me let go of control of things. 
uh, and embrace Christ. And that is um, trying to become more like Christ. Uh, and the best scripture I've found to do that um, talks about what Christ is, and that is love. And that comes from 1 Corinthians 3, 4 through 8-ish. Um, I'll stop a little early. But it says, uh, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoings, but rejoices with truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. And I find that um, when I'm exhausted, sometimes I just need to, tired, hungry, anything, cranky. Sometimes I just need to remind myself of, of who Christ is and what he's done for me. Um, and uh, that verse is one that I like to meditate on. Thanks, Kurt. We appreciate that. You know, that's a helpful and challenging. Um, I'm curious, like what kind of, what big thing have you maybe had to do? How did you make that decision? I, I remember I was talking to a friend of mine who did uh, worked at a camping kind of organization. And it was, uh, it was one of those that employs young adults um, to, you know, do all the, you know, heavy lifting of, of the camp. And, um, and we were talking and at the end of his first summer and, um, he was exhausted and he was talking about how, you know, there wasn't a day off basically because the camps were six days long. And, you know, that meant that, you know, there was like cleaning and prep work for the next camp that had to go on, you know, on the seventh day. And, you know, he felt bad for these, counselors because they they didn't get any time off and um and uh he said but they do get a one week off in the middle like we take the fourth of july week off and yeah and i was like man that's that sounds like a bad idea like there's no sabbath in there for them and um and he's like yeah it's just crazy because the camp is six days long and i was like so why not make it five (laughs) it's like but it's always been six. And I was like, yeah. And every time that I've ever gone to that camp, I wished it was five. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> There's some and, truth that. Yeah. And he was, it took, it, they actually, he went back. They ended up shortening it to the happiness of every youth pastor that was going to it <laughs> and every volunteer that was going to it. And, um, but it was a hard thing. Uh, first, it was hard to, to see it you know, to see beyond, like to see the problem. And then it was a thing, you know, you had to make a significant change that, that was, um, you know, it it sort of rocked things up. I'm curious, as you've been working into living into Sabbath, what, do do you have a a big thing that had to change? And I know you've been in the middle of the pandemic, so, um, but I'm just curious, how did you, how did you make that happen? Yeah, so I don't know if I have any big things, but we what we have done is um, we've found people that can do our work, right? Hmm. Help yeah. each other, right? Like, if I'm not here, who's going to pick up this if it's needed? And it, mm-hmm. sometimes that's really tough, especially in our small churches, right? But um, there's always a volunteer that can make something happen if you need to take a Sunday off. Yeah. Um, or you just have a, 
a policy that says if I need a Sunday off, um, this won't happen. And we expect that three or four mm-hmm. times a year. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I, so I don't, I haven't had any like big things, but I, we, we have prepared for those moments. Yes. That's um, so important. Yeah. yeah. And that's what, that's how the Bible talks about it, right? Preparing for the Sabbath. Yep. And that, that has been my both insight and complete failure. <laughs> it's like I have to prepare for it otherwise it won't happen like I have to think I'm taking I'm not working on these hours and I'm not gonna I'm gonna do things that I enjoy that build into my family that kind of stuff but I'm not gonna do laundry during that time or whatever that means I'm gonna do laundry beforehand yeah <laughs> and I don't yep that's right and and we get to Sabbath and we we like come out of the water and take a breath for one moment and then go right back in. <laughs> mm-hmm. We don't really get a good breath, do we? You know, I, I love the way that um, this is making me think about Sabbath in a, in a slightly different way, because in preparing for the Sabbath, there's also a real encouragement to not waste the time that's in front of you, right? Like yeah. uh, it, uh, by nature, I'm a bit of a procrastinator and um my parents will tell you that by looking at my, you know, six week report cards that came through my entire academic career <clears throat> that somehow miraculously by the end of those six weeks, my grades were starting to come back up because I was actually doing the things I, I should have been doing in the first place. Um, and so I love that idea of preparation and, and living in the day, right? Um, so that you are ready for, for rest and for Sabbath. And Kurt, the, the other part I really liked that you said um, had to do with it, you know, Sabbath is not just setting a time aside for me to be bored yeah. um, <laughs> because um, I can't tell you how many times I've tried to do like a Sabbath weekend with youth or something like that, where you take them so out of the normal flow of their life that, okay, we're fasting from technology now. We're not on apps. We're not on whatever. And they're bored. And Sabbath isn't meant to be a boring time. It's truly meant to be something else. And so you still have to be intentional about what you fill that time with. Yep. Um, but please don't just get sidetracked by thinking we're asking you to take a day off and, and be bored because you'll just fall asleep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I think that there's, there's such benefit in like doing prayer retreats um, like that. But, but the, you know, and those are tough at first, but they're not your regularly scheduled Sabbath. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's that's what we think. It's just our Sabbath is supposed to be this prayer retreat, and you can't do that at your house with your family there or with like. Right. <laughs> there's way too many distractions, so just be with your family and love each other and, and have fun and fill yourself up. 